We began last week talking to you about 2020 vision. We're going to continue that today. And so let me just thank all of you for joining with us to our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples, and I'm the lead pastor of Love and Truth Ministries. We're glad you're with us today. We believe that God has already ministered to you right where you are and that he's going to continue through the Word of God. So let's get ready to hear what God's going to say. Would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the New Testament book. As you're doing that, let me remind you, last week we began talking about 2020 vision. Uh, you just saw what that vision is. Ten churches planted, a hundred people ordained, a uh, thousand people sent on missions trip, thousands of people released and activated in the kingdom of God, 10,000 lost people saved, a hundred thousand people to hear the gospel, and millions of dollars released into the kingdom of God. That's the vision that we have as a ministry that over the next 10 years, by the end of 2020, that we are going to see that happen. And so last week we talked about the process. We used the book of Habakkuk last week, and we talked to you about how the Word of God tells us uh, to write the vision, to make it plain, uh, that he may run with it who reads it. And we, we went through that whole process last week, and we laid out the process of vision. Today, though, I want to talk to you about our priorities. It's great to have a vision. It's great to even maybe know what the process is. But let me tell you something. If you don't have some priorities, all your vision is is a dream. And there's a whole lot of people who are dreaming. There's a whole lot of people in life who, who they, they talk a good game, but they never make a priority. People say, well, I want to have a really good family, but they never spend time with them right? Or I, I want to have a great marriage, but you never talk. Or I want, to have, I want to be real successful in life, and I want to have a lot of money, but you keep enough plastic in your wallet to float a battleship. You know, all of these things tell us, yes, we, yeah, in, in fact, I found out years ago that, that I can really determine what a person's priorities are about, by looking at a couple of things. One of them is, is if I look at their, their day timer, their planner, whatever, their, what they're spending their time with, and if I look at their checkbook, I can pretty well tell you what their priorities are. And so when we move that out of our natural lives and we bring that into the kingdom of God, and as we wholesale come together and we say, okay, we feel like God has called us to do something, then we have to establish some priorities. And, and the priorities just really are those things that are important to us. That, that really is what a priority is. If, if, if I were to ask you a question today, and it would be this. What is important to you? What, what's important to you? Well, this is important. That's, whatever is important to you is really what your priorities in life are going to be. Now, here's what I found out, especially in churches. It's easier to look back into the past. It's easier to smile on yesterday's accomplishments and, and, and all the things that we have had happen than it is to look into the future and to think about tomorrow's possibilities. And so what I'm going to challenge every one of us to do today is I'm going to challenge us not to be so glad about what happened yesterday. Listen, I, I love history, but, but history is just the rearview mirror. We're going somewhere. God's called us to do something as a ministry, and we want to go forward. So today, out of the book of 1 Thessalonians, I want to show us four priorities that I want to talk about out of this passage. Beginning in verse number 2, uh, in, in the Word of God there, 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 2 through 4 says, But even after we had suffered, this is the Apostle Paul, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, 
we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. The Apostle Paul said, we're, we're just bringing you the truth. He said, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men. Wow. He said, I'm not trying to please anybody except God. He said, I'm not trying to please men, but it's God who tests our hearts. Now, here's the first priority. Uh, for it, it should be the first priority in all of our lives, but it's definitely the first priority in the ministry called Love and Truth Church, and that is, number one, is we believe that you need to be biblical. We need to be biblical. How, how many of you have heard a lot of good things, but they don't always line up with the Word of God? People say, well, you know, at my grandma's church, they did this. In the church that I grew up in, they did that. Well, all that's wonderful, all of it's good, but if it's not biblical, then we're in trouble. See, there's, there's a problem in America today. The, the church is afraid to be biblical because if we're biblical, then we'll offend somebody. If we're biblical, somebody won't like what we're saying, so we're, we're trying to be politically correct. So we don't want to offend anybody. But Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. He said, I came to bring a sword. He said, I came to divide some things. He said, I'm not just willing to show up and say, oh, darling, I love you. God bless you. Isn't it wonderful? He said, I'm going to talk to you about some issues of your heart. And so I think that it's needful. I believe with all of my heart, if we really want to make a difference, we've got to come to the place that we understand that we need to preach what the Word of God says. If the Word of God says that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved, then we can't say, well, there are many roads that lead to God. Buddha's fine, Muhammad's fine, Krishna's fine. No, no, no. The Word of God says that it's through Jesus Christ that you are going to find salvation. Now, I don't do that in an arrogant sense, but I do that in the sense that the Word of God says that it is through Jesus Christ that people are going to be saved. And if you don't accept that aspect of the Bible, then don't accept any of the Word of God. Don't come to that point and saying, well, uh, you know, we're just all coming to our own path and we're all seeking our own way. No, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. He, he didn't give 18 explanations and 25 reasons why. He just said, I'm the way, and if you don't come through me, it's not going to happen. We live in a world that is so trying to be so culturally relevant that we have decided to dumb down the gospel. We have done our best to do away with anything that may make anybody upset. I want to tell you, the Word of God will upset you. The Word of God will wor work you over. The Word of God will mess with you. The, the Word of God says, turn the other cheek. I don't like turning the other cheek. If you smack me, I want to hit you back. Come on. I mean, if, if you, you do something to me, I want to get back at you. I, I'm, I'm working on my salvation. Just hang on. All right? And, and if I can't take you, I want to find a good friend who's bigger than you are and have them take you. I don't like that turning the other cheek. I, you know, every once in a while, I, I just want to lie. I heard one kid say that a lie is a present help in a time of trouble. 
know he messed with the word there a little bit. Uh, you know, there are just sometimes that a lie just, it fits. What's wrong with y'all? All right? But the word of God says, thou shalt not lie. He didn't say you shouldn't lie on, you know, Thursdays. It said, thou shalt not lie. Just a blanket statement, don't lie. And so, so we've got all of these issues. And so the, the church is coming to the point that, that we're doing away with great aspects of the Word of God because we, we are offensive. Um, and, and I want to tell you, there are things in the Word of God that offends me. There are things in the, that God's Word says that I would rather do without. Uh, you know, the, the Word of God uh, just lays out a lot of things that are, are, that are difficult to understand. I don't understand why God made some things so important. But he did, and therefore I have to be willing as a Christian and as a pastor and as a leader of a ministry to say, you know what, if God's Word says it, even if it's offensive, we're going to preach it. I, I was just reading recently uh, that the Presbyterian Church of America has, has ordained its first openly homosexual pastor. And I want to tell you, not mad at the Presbyterian Church, but I'm going to tell you the Word of God says Old Testament and New Testament, that homosexuality is a sin. Now, before you get all excited and clap about that, it also says adultery is a sin. It also says if you're shacking up with somebody, it's a sin. It also says any sex outside of marriage is a sin. Now, see, that's offensive. That messes with people's life. If it was up to me, I'd do away with that. What's wrong with you? I just do away with it. It's too messy. It's just, I don't want to get involved in everybody's bedroom. Let's not talk about it. But the Word talks about it. So if the Word talks about it, then I've got to be willing to say, you know what? There are some things we're going to say. There are some things that we are going to preach. There are some things that God says that you are not going to like. But if the Word of God says it, and we really do believe that God's Word is true, then we have got to make that the foundation of everything else that we rely upon and that we walk in obedience to what God's Word says. Now, now here's the deal. We need to make Scripture a part of our everyday life. We need to know what God's Word says about every situation that we face. And we need to be committed to biblical thinking and biblical action. If the church would be committed to that, then we would be able to make a difference in the world in which we live. Let's look in verse 5 and verse 6. Verse 5 says, For neither at any time did we use flattering words. He said we weren't trying to puff anybody up. He says, As you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of God. Christ. The second thing that the Word of God gives us here in the priorities that we need to lay out is that we need to learn to be authentic, all right? We need to learn to be authentic. Now, what do I mean by being authentic? Authentic is, is not imaginary. It's not false. It's not an imitation, right? Have you ever bought something that you thought was real and found out later it wasn't? You know, it was a knockoff, and you paid $300 for it and found out they paid $8.99. You ladies in those purses. <laughs> right? Oh, man, I got me a coach purse. No, you got a train wreck from China is what you got. <laughs> All right? And, and so 
So, so being authentic means it's the real thing. It's not a knockoff. It's not fake. It's not, not all that. And, and, you know, here's what I found out about being authentic. That, is, that means that we're free to question. Listen, I don't mind people questioning things. I think God gave us a brain for a reason, right? It, it means that we're free to admit failure and weaknesses. You know, I, I don't know about how many of you that grew up in church, but I grew up in church, and for the first several years of my life, uh, I had the impression that everybody that was saved were perfect. And the reason that I had that impression is, is that they would get up and testify and say that. Y'all remember testimony service? It's a distant memory around here because we ain't doing one. All right, pardon my grammar. Uh, but I can remember people getting up and saying, you know, I just thank the Lord I'm sanctified and holy and living for God. And, and, and this one always got me. This, this part's where I always got thrown under the bus is that they would say, I thank the Lord that from the day I got saved, I've never wanted to sin. And I'm sitting there going, I am going to hell. I'm not going to pass go, and I am not going to collect $200. It is straight going there because I'm just sitting there thinking, when they said that, my mind just goes to all the sin I'm wanting to do. Now, maybe, I, maybe, you, maybe you're holy. Maybe you're better than I am. But I, 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 I'm kind of like the Apostle Paul. I find within myself a law uh, and, and a spiritual warfare that's going on. He said there's a law of sin and death. Then he says, but thanks be unto God which giveth us the triumph. He said, uh, you know, those things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I find myself doing. And I've gone to church and I've seen preachers get up and they act like that they never have a bad thought. I want to tell you, I have lots of them. I struggle with them. I struggle with some of you. I'm getting better. But, but there's this whole aspect that we have to come to and say, you know what, let's be authentic. Let's admit that we struggle. Let's admit that after we get saved, we still sin. We still struggle with some things in our life. Let's not pretend that we've got it all together. Here's why. This whole thing about being authentic means that you don't take yourself too seriously. Some of you need to learn to laugh. Some of, you, some of you think way more of yourselves than you ought to. I mean, you really all look in the mirror. You, you, come on, you, you just need to chill. All right, just come on, it just, just, it's okay. People tell me, you, you shouldn't crack jokes in the pulpit. Don't you know you're doing the work of God? That's why I crack jokes. I know I'm doing the work of God. And he's laughing sometimes when he remembers who I am. All right. See, there's this aspect about being authentic in church and being authentic as, as people of God that the world wants to see. Jesus was authentic. Jesus hung out with people that nobody else would hang out with. Why? Because he was authentic. Now, he was perfect, but he was authentic, and everybody wanted to be with Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the world wanted to be with Jesus, but the world doesn't want to be with the church? Why? Because we act as though we've got it all together. You know, in the Old Testament, the Word of God says this. It says that when you build an altar, that you are not to put steps up to it, that you are to build it on flat ground. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. We can read that and go, well, that's, I don't understand that, and we just keep reading. But there's reasons for that. The number one reason is, is that in that day, male and female, this will mess people up, male and female basically wore robes, all right? And so, don't want you to get too graphic here, but if you go up enough steps... You're going to show us more than we need to see. 
I don't know about you, but there's some things about me I don't want everybody else knowing. There's some aspects about my life that I want to keep. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. I, I need some love in my life. What's love got to do with it? It's got everything to do with it. I want that covering. The second reason was is that if you put steps up to it, then only certain people can attain to that position. God said, put it down low. Put it right flat ground so that anybody that wants to can access the presence of God Almighty and they don't have to climb up through some religious hierarchy to get there. The Word of God's quite clear. You say, Pastor, how do you balance these out? You just told us that we needed to be biblical. Listen, I want to tell you, I, I, if somebody is authentic and they are real, I may not agree with them, but I can hang out with them. I may not like what they're doing, but if they're just real about it, I can still put up with them. It's these fake Christians that drive me nuts. Hallelujah, brother. Glory to God. Give me a break. No, really. Come on, what's, what's up with this? We, we've got to come to the place that we are authentic, that, that we're just real. Angels don't escort you out of the bed in the morning. You don't wake up speaking in tongues in the morning. Well, I do. You're strange. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we just got so much stuff that we just throw out to people. And, and, and we make things so tough that they just can't understand. So, so we've got to be authentic. Let, let, me, let me hear. Look at verse 7. It's verse 7 through 11. I won't read it all because it's too lengthy, but, but let me read a little bit of it. It says, but we were gentle among you. Apostle Paul uses some real great uh, word pictures here. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her ch own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. And he goes on through verse 11. I won't read all of it. But, but the third thing that we've got to do is we've got to learn to be gracious. All right? Let's learn to be gracious. Do you know people who are gracious? I mean, they're, they're just, they're just their personality, the way they respond, the way they react. It's, it's so wonderful. The thing that I found in the church is, is that we lack compassion. We want to clean the fish before we ever catch them. Amen? Well, if you get right, you know. I mean, you know, people, people will come into church, and they've never been to church, or it's been a long time, and they don't wear a certain thing. And they come in, and people go, I can't believe you wore that to church. Why not? They don't know any better. Who cares? They came to church. Who cares? I, I mean, the, the, this whole aspect that we have lost compassion for the lost. Jesus loved people. He wasn't so concerned about rules and regulations. See, our problem is, is that we try to change people and then help them. Jesus didn't say change and come to me. Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I really believe our world longs for, not only does it long for, I believe it deserves the message of truth and the message of Jesus Christ presented in an attractive, gentle, and gracious wrappings. I believe our world needs to know that there are people who love God, but who also love their fellow man. 
who are not just Bible thumpers. Yes, we stand on the Word of God, but even if your life is not measuring up to what God's Word says, you're still welcomed. You are still welcomed in the house of God at any time that you want to come. Why? Because that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth. I, I want to tell you, Jesus was that way. I mean, you, you find Jesus in so many situations where, where he just ministers to people that nobody else would minister to. He talks to a woman at the well nobody will go to the well with. He's teaching one day, and, and in the midst of his teaching, uh, they, there's a noise in the back of the crowd, and there's this hubbub going, and all of a sudden, they, they come pressing their way through, and, and, and they throw this individual down at Jesus' feet, and, 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 sh and she won't look up, and they say, we caught her in the very act of adultery, and the word says, you're supposed to stone her. What do you say? I got a couple of questions. Number one is, where's the man? Last time I checked, it takes two to commit adultery. So where's the man? I think he's one of their cohorts, so they didn't bring him. Right? Number two is, how did they know it was going on? Sounds like to me a little bit more going on there than we want to know. And the Bible says this. Jesus is just cool. Now, I want to tell you, Jesus, he just... He just kind of looks at him. He bends down and he starts playing in the dirt. Right? Is that not what the word? Okay, it, King James does not say he's playing in the dirt. All right? It says he's writing. So he's writing. He looks up and he goes, uh, Tell you what, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. Bends back down and starts writing. Now, there's been great theological debate about what Jesus was writing. Some say he was writing the Ten Commandments. Some say he was, you know, writing some, some law or whatever. I, I think I know. Here's what I think. The, the Bible says that after Jesus said that, they left from the eldest to the youngest. Here's why I think I know. I, I think Jesus, he'd just look up at him and he'd, he'd write a woman's name. And he looked back up, and he'd write another woman's name. I, I think he's writing their girlfriend's name. <laughs> and, you know, young people don't have the experience that the elders do, and the elders say, whoa, I'm out of here, let's go. <laughs> the younger guys, it took a minute to go, oh, yeah, <laughs> got to go. Right? And, then, and, and watch the encounter now. This is where it gets really, really fun. Jesus looks at, up at her, and, and I think, I don't think they let her dress. I don't think they let her. I think she was at, at the best. I think she might have had a, a sheet or something wrapped around her. And she's weeping the whole time because she knows she's going to die because she just knows it's over. And uh, she, has not, she has not looked up a time. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at her and says, uh, where's your accusers? And she kind of hesitantly looks up and, and, and through tear-stained eyes and messed-up makeup, she says, uh, Lord, I, I, I don't have any. And Jesus so graciously says, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. 
Now watch. Jesus' word in the Old Testament said, if you're caught in adultery, you're to be stoned. Jesus' word were, you who are without sin, you cast the first stone. The only person in that group that day that was without sin was Jesus Christ. He had every right to stone her. And yet, his graciousness and his love is demonstrated to her, and he says, hey, I'm not going to condemn you, and I'm not going to judge you, but you need to change your lifestyle. Go your way and sin no more. I wonder what would happen if we would live the same way. See, here's what I found, is that people and their souls are far more important than rigid rules and demanding expectations. Listen, just because some of us are a little bit further down the road than somebody else. Maybe you come to church and you used to be an alcoholic and now you don't struggle with that anymore and somebody else walks in and you smell a little booze on them and you go, I can't believe it. Hey, but for the grace of God. Maybe you see some man or woman who's been through several marriages and, and you kind of, you know, oh, I can't believe it. I wish they'd get their act together. Well, let me help you. But for the grace of God, that's you. And so what we've got to do is that we've got to come to that place, not of, not of just allowing, so no, it doesn't, no, we still proclaim the word of God, but we do it with a gracious sense, just like Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was friends of sinners and publicans, that, that those who nobody else wanted in society, Jesus loved. The fourth and final thing is found in verse 12 and verse 13, and it says that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own glory, kingdom kingdom and glory and then it goes on to say for this reason we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us you welcomed it not as the word of men but as it is the truth the word of God which also effectively works in you who believes what what the apostle Paul is saying there he, he's saying what I gave you wasn't something old he said I gave you an up-to-date word and the fourth thing that we have to have as a priority if we really want to make a difference in, by 2020 is that we have to be relevant to our society. We can't talk about things that, that nobody is caring about anymore. I, I heard a few years back, it hasn't been that many, two or three years ago, I heard a guy on the radio or television, I can't remember which one, preaching about hippies. I mean, he was nailing hippies. No, you didn't hear me. He was talking about hippies. I haven't seen a real hippie since 1975, hardly. I mean, some of you think you still are, but you're really not. You got a job and a house and a car. I mean, a real hippie is living on a backpack and thumbing down the road. Come on. And, and, and I, I just listened. I thought, I wonder how. I, I, we, we saw a sign the other day. We were, we were driving in, in Amish country of all places, and, and, and that was a joy. Anyway, and uh, I went because my wife wanted to go. And there's this huge sign that says, we still sing the hymns. We still preach the old-fashioned King James Version of the Bible, and we still something else. And I said, doesn't that just make your heart warm? Doesn't that just make you want to go? I mean, that, that's all they've got to tell me is that they still sing the hymns, and they preach out of the King James Version of the Bible, and they hold to the old path. Great. God bless you. That's wonderful. But we don't live in 1600 when King James wrote the Bible when it was translated by his guys, we don't live then. We live 
in 2011. And we've got to be relevant to our society. I, I made a reference the other day. I, I shouldn't do this because some of you are way too holy. But I made a reference to Snooky. And I mess people up. I mess people up. First of all, I mess, mess you know, all the young people up that I knew who Snooky was. I messed their world up. And then some of you that are grayer than I am came out, who's Snooky? I don't know who Snooky is. I said, watch television. All right? Now, here's the problem is, is that the problem with Snooky is, is that the morals of America are being shaped by the Snookies of the world. That's a little scary. All right? But I want to tell you something. You better know who Snooky is. Because it is making a difference in society. You better know what the Jersey Shore is. You better know what Kanye's saying. What Beyonce's shaking. You... Going no further. I'm in trouble already. I, I mean, we, we've got, listen, we, Jesus didn't say, hey, go up on a mountain somewhere, build a fort, and hang out. I mean, Peter tried that, and Jesus rebuked him. Lord, let's stay on the mountain. It's wonderful that we stay. And Jesus said, you're wrong, Peter. we got to go down where the people are. Listen, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is too important for us not to be relevant to our society. We need to know what's happening in society so that we can make a difference in the society in which we live. Jesus met people right where they are. If he's at a well, he talks about water. If he's with farmer, he talks about seed. Wherever he's at, he is relevant to his society. He could have blown them away with his theology. He could have messed them up with his, his authority, all of that stuff. But he purposely stayed on their level so that he could minister to them. I want you to know it's important for us to be relevant. And so here's the deal. When, when, we, when we put all of this together is that we have to, first of all, set a firm foundation. If we want to make a difference in our lives and the lives of those around us and in the world, we've got to set a firm foundation. We've got to be biblical. Secondly, we've got to take the truth of the Scripture and we've got to apply it to everyday life. And that means we are authentic. We are using the Word of God in an authentic manner. Thirdly, we've got to develop a compassionate attitude. If I could say anything to love and truth churches, it would be this. Make sure that we are gracious. Make sure that we are loving. Make sure that people know that we care more about them than we do about the mess that their life is in. And fourthly, we've got to stay current. We've got to be up to date. We've got to know what's happening. We've got to be relevant in life. You know what? If we will do those four things, we'll see lives being changed. People's lives will be changed. Now, here's what I want to tell you. In this sermon, as I talk to you about the four priorities for 2020, this is not the first time I've preached this sermon. In fact, this is probably about the 15th time I've preached this sermon since I started pastoring in, in 1984. In fact, this is the first sermon that I preached to the congregation that I took as the full-time pastor in March of 1984. My philosophy of ministry has not changed in over 25 years because what was relevant then is still relevant today if it's based upon the Word of God. And so what we have founded as Love and Truth Ministries for all of these years remains the same. I was 25 years of age when I preached that. I am 52 for 27 years. That has been the foundation of this ministry. It does not change. And as long as I'm alive, it is not going to change. And if they change it after I'm dead, I'm coming back 